When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Circus is back in town at Man United. I was always wary of that when I was a player there. Keeping an eye on people, don't get carried away because you know what this game can do to you. I see the players come here today. I see one or two players coming up in the second half, having a laugh and a joke. They want to learn at Anfield, having a, a laugh and a joke with some of the Anfield staff, goalkeeping coach. I don't like to see all that rubbish. Do not like to see it. And I just think that circus can creep back into Man United and the manager and the senior players have to keep an eye on that. Same with all traffic against West Ham the other night. A lot of nonsense before the game. A lot of presentations. Presentations, I understand maybe one or two, but it was about four or five. That's for after the game. You don't it's, do it before a game. This, and then, t- again, you look at half-time. There's a couple of players walking down the tunnel and having a laugh and a joke. You're one alone at Anfield. You're here to work. It's a serious business. It's big boy stuff. Forget us laughing and joking rubbish. That's Roy Keane. So a man who would know, it is an old school view. It's something that you'll recognise from our various conversations around AFL from time to time. The seismic result yesterday of Manchester United losing 7-0 to Liverpool. I enjoy reading Oliver Brown in the in the Telegraph and his opening paragraph read, it is the type of result that defies rational deconstruction. All I could safely say was this was the worst performance I've seen by an English club in a game of this magnitude. Max Rushton is our guide when it comes to such matters. He's got Champions League duty on stand tomorrow morning. He's about to fly. Max, thanks for uh, thanks for a little bit of your time. Uh, you're all good. I'm here for rational deconstruction. Yeah, <laughs> I, I am. Like, Roy Keane's hilarious, isn't he? And actually, you know, he it, it's a fascinating. Like Sky have built like quite an entertaining pundit lineup, and actually, quite often they're more interest, interesting than the game itself. Yes. And you've got you've got Roy Keane and Gary Neville from the uh, Manchester United school, and then you've got Graham Souness and Jamie Carragher, you know, supporting Liverpool, and so it's you know it's perfectly balanced. But you know, Roy Keane is a was obviously a very hard player and a very good player, and he didn't smile a lot, regardless <laughs> of the result. But you know, I love this idea, and I'm sure this I'm sure you discussed it so with AFL. This idea of after a defeat, right? When is it next? When are you next allowed as a professional sports person? to smile yes. in public. But how, how long do you have to wait? Okay, look, Man United got hammered 7-0. It's an, it, you're right. It's impossible to... No one saw it coming. Anyone who says they did is just lying, bare-faced lying to you because Man United have been on brilliant form. Ten Hag has been brilliant as a manager. And, I mean, but they, they fell apart. I mean, it was, it was nil-nil at 42 minutes. <laughs> probably the better side for, for the, most of the first half. But Manchester United had probably the better chances in the first half. And then suddenly, it was like one of these games where it is really hard to analyse because everything went in. Every time they were all attacked, they scored. So you didn't have any time to really analyse like the shape of the game or what was happening or who was going where. It was just, oh, there's another goal. It didn't matter how many Man United defenders were in the box. It would just hit them and then a Liverpool player would just have an open goal. It was just very, very odd. But then I don't know. If you lose seven, is it what, one day per goal? <laughs> but no Manchester United player is allowed to smile until next weekend. And if they smile, even in private, they shouldn't smile. You know, if one of their players goes home and smiles to their children, their children should shop them in. The children should ring up a radio station and say, my dad was smiling. 
and they lost 7-0. I mean, I sort of find it, I kind of see his point, you know, swapping shirts at half time and those kind of things. The game has changed. These players all know each other much better than they did, you know, years and years ago. Or maybe, I don't know if that's true, but or, and I don't know how much of it is for someone like Keane, right? He, you know, he really meant it, but I sort of want honesty in my players. So if they're finding something funny, I don't mind if they smile, and if they're furious. But it's inter- another interesting point of this game is uh, Bruno Fernandes is the Manchester United captain, or he was, and he was, you know, really petulant because he is a terrible loser. And you all have seen this, Joe. Like, elite sports people are terrible losers. That's sort of part of what makes them what they are. You know, I sort of find after I've played a game and I've lost, maybe two minutes later, I'm like, let's have a pint and I'm fine. <laughs> yes. You know, and I've occasionally played with really good footballers who it's like grief when they lose a football match. You know, they're there and they're totally desolate. And that's what, that is, apart from obviously natural ability and incredible dedication and fitness and all those other things, you know, that mentality does, you know, is why Bruno Fernandes was so, I mean, he really is incredibly annoying to watch. He's a wonderful player, but infuriating. <laughs> and he was really petulant. But then everyone says, oh, he's got to be stripped of the captaincy. The conclusion is it was a mad game. It doesn't mean Liverpool are back for good. They've had a, a pretty bad season. It doesn't mean Manchester United all the progress they've made other than Ten Hag, which has been dramatic and has been quick. You shouldn't write that off either. And actually what we don't really know until they both play again, like what effect this has. Does this mean Liverpool go on a great run? They, 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 they could and perhaps should get fourth place now, which would be a really great achievement. Manchester United, you know, they could win the Europa League. They're still in the FA Cup. They're looking good for the top four. So they shouldn't panic. But yeah, it was utterly, utterly extraordinary. Like totally extraordinary. Yeah. So self-flagellation and punishment and how that's prescribed by fans and pundits. So I was curious, Max, I was driving in yesterday morning thinking back to our conversations is the identity crisis that has gripped Manchester United since the Sir Alex Ferguson years. And we spoke Mm -hmm. last year around that. Are they more interested in selling shirts or being successful on the field? And then there was a period of time under... Uh, Ten Hag, where they seem to be straightening that out, and what you've laid out for us is the the picture of a a club coming back. How chastening can one result be, though, in the in that public conversation around what Manchester United used to be and what yeah. they probably haven't been since? I mean, I think if you were going to say, give me an idea of the most the the most chastening result they could possibly have, people could say losing 7-0 to Liverpool, like given the rivalry. I mean, I guess had it been at Old Trafford, that would have been even worse. But yeah, it's, as, as chastening results go, it seriously is. I wonder in a kind of, and this, is, this sounds totally counterintuitive, in terms of Manchester United fans and the wider media and, and probably people within the club, like in terms of like a reality check of going, okay, where are we at and how good are we? Clearly, losing seven nil is worse than losing six nil, and that's worse than losing five nil. But had they just lost two nil, I think yeah. most people, you know, there would be less of an inquest, right? And so, what this, what you know, if Ten Hag is a really bright guy and he's a good manager, and it and it may give him a bit of power to say, listen, this is where we're at. A, he can go upstairs, and there's we don't know about the owners, you know, the takeover and who will own this club in by the next transfer winner, and say, look, we're not, we're nowhere near where we need to be if we want to win the title. And B, the players can go well hold on a second, we're on a good run. You know, Marcus Rashford was playing brilliantly. Casemiro was a brilliant signing from uh, Real Madrid. Players like Luke Shaw have been playing better than I've probably ever seen them play. 
and they were all hopeless at the weekend. So sometimes players need that, right, to know where they where they are. It, it's all about how you see the reaction. You know, I, I think Ten Hag is smart enough, and he's got enough goodwill in the bank from the success that they've had in, since the World Cup, basically. They've been on such a great run. And he has an authority which, for whatever reason, no manager since Fergie has had. It was always like whenever the camera cut to Fergie, it was like, oh, the sort of sword of Damocles. Yes. You know, oh, God, look, there's Sir Alex Ferguson, you'll never be that. And I think Ten Hag has managed that really well. And results clearly are really important. He's dealt with Cristiano Ronaldo and got him out. He's done that really well. He brought in Val Veghorst, right, who is a sort of journeyman centre-forward who doesn't score a lot of goals. And I think under a different manager, the reaction would have been, what the hell are you doing? But the reaction here has been, hang on, this guy's made a sensible purchase. He might not be the future of Manchester United, but he knows what he's doing buying this kind of player. So I think he's smart enough to ride this out and, and actually it will be okay. Had it been another manager in a different time, well, with less goodwill in the bank, uh, yeah, this could have been utterly disastrous. Yeah, a result felt around the world, that's for sure. So tomorrow morning, you've got the round of 16, the second leg in the Champions League feature match at 7 o'clock in the morning, Chelsea and Dortmund. And Dortmund have a 1-0 lead heading into this fixture, yes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, Chelsea played really well in the, the game in Germany. And Dortmund had, sort of, uh, forgive me if they had more than this, but it felt like one great chance and they took it. And that was kind of the story of Chelsea's season under Graham Potter. They've been on an absolutely terrible run, sort of ridiculous. They've spent half a billion pounds and they are sort of, they've been, their run has been absolutely sort of cataclysmically bad. They, but a lot of the time they've been playing quite well and just not scoring. And then they lost at home to Southampton, who were bottom of the league. Then they, and then they lost at Spurs and were hopeless. And Spurs are also sort of hopeless, but bizarrely still fourth and still in the Champions League and no one can work out how. Um, they won at the weekend against Leeds. Again, they struggled you know, to break down the opposition. They had lots of chances, though, and didn't take them and they scored from a set piece. This feels like a really important game. The rumours before, so the new owner was sort of steadfastly behind Graham Potter. Um, then, it, then we sort of heard rumours that, hang on, if the Leeds game doesn't go well, if Dortmund doesn't go well, then... It might be curtains for him. He's got through one of those. He's beaten Borussia, uh, beaten Leeds. Now they take on Dortmund. It's a, it is a massive game for them. Dortmund have got some wonderful players. Adeyemi, who scored. Jude Bellingham, who's kind of seen as the future great for England in central midfield and will be playing at who knows where next year. But, you know, one of the biggest teams in, in European football. Um, but it feels huge for Chelsea. Chelsea's problem is they've got so many attacking players it's sort of impossible to know what your starting 11 is. And I know Graham Potter's paid a lot of money to do that, but I have some sympathy with trying to work out who to pick. And if someone isn't playing well, you've got so many options to change them that nobody gets a run in the side. Uh, so that is a huge game, uh, the Dortmund game. And then uh, on the Thursday morning, Thursday morning, isn't it? Yeah, Thursday morning, got Spurs playing AC Milan. Spurs have 1-0 down going into that. That is a toss of the coin. That game, Milan, I think, lost at the weekend. Neither of those sides are too great at the moment, but they both have the capability... You know, Spurs beat Manchester City recently to have a capability to beat good sides. And this is the only thing they've got left now, chasing the top four. Yeah. But the only possible chance of silverware is the Champions League, which would be, I mean, unbelievable if Tottenham won the Champions League. But, you know, I'd quite like them to. <laughs> and uh, PSC Bayern as well is, is sort of perfectly set up. And we saw when Mbappe came on the pitch, he changed that game. Uh, Neymar's out, um, but I don't think that's a disaster for PSG. Uh, every year we go, could this be PSG's year? But, you know, they've got a mountain to climb, but, you know, still achievable. And Bayern aren't running away with the Bundesliga for the first time in about a million years. Mm. 
Max, great of you to take the call. Fly safely. We'll see you tomorrow morning on Stan. Two big mornings yeah, of round of 16 of the Champions League. Are you, are you doing, uh, do you do the whole game when it's a 7 I do, yeah. No, okay. I'm well ensconced in the office by 6.30, so I'll be having it on. Wow, that's serious. What time does the show start? <laughs> Nine. It takes me a while to get my thoughts organised. <laughs> oh, that is really nice. I should take a leaf out of that book. You know, get in 45 minutes early, start blind, see what happens, have a productive <laughs> meeting on air, and just still be alive at the end. That's the key. <laughs> Wing it. I love it. Max, great to chat. Cheers, mate. Max Rushton from Stan is uh, Tim in Adelaide. Thanks, Jared. I'd almost forgotten yesterday's capitulation, but yourself and Max just brought it all back. I feel sick.